listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Don't forget to visit us on runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Like what you've been hearing on Run It Again? Tell us. Leave us a review on Apple. Coming up, we'll discuss which quarterback will lead his team to the Super Bowl. Will it be Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, or Aaron Rodgers? Now it's time to hear from our listeners. Have a question for me or Coach Martz? We'll answer it on the next episode of Run It Again. Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and for a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Get ready for the Learn Again podcast. Huddle up, huddle up. Every week, you'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind with unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on earth, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz. I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it we'll connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on biggest issue is and i think this is important is they're not exposed to family either. oh boy that's going to be interesting with conversations and tales from guys on the inside so click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week it's run it again Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Our, uh, our producer, our outstanding producer, Roy Hamilton, he, he put together this idea a couple weeks ago, and um, we decided to, to reach out to our listeners. And, you know, if they had questions, hit us back. Hit us back on email. Hit us back on social media, you know, what, whatever the case may be. But we want to hear from you guys. And so we turned the mic around, and now they turned it back on us. And Mike, we got a couple questions. So you, you ready to you ready to take them on? Oh yeah, go ahead, fire away. All right, let's uh, let's see what we got here. Okay, so I live in Cleveland, and I heard Coach on a local radio station say that if he were still head coach, he'd like to have a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. Why? What does he see in Baker? that says Baker isn't one more quarterback bust for the Cleveland Browns. And this is coming from Jake from good old Cleveland Heights. Thanks, Jake. Well, I think when you analyze the best quarterbacks that have ever played this game, there's, there's kind of a common thread. Now, let's, let's just say that his passing abilities are giving. Uh, all special quarterbacks are elite passers. You know, they're, they just are. Right. And obviously, that's the core of the position, accuracy and touch and – Aside from all the physical skills, 
the thing that makes guys from elite to the outer stratosphere, the Tom Brady's, uh, there might be four or five of them. Are those guys that have this competitive edge that is even greater than the better competitors that you know, if that makes any sense? That's what I see in Baker. He There's a competitive, like Mahomes, for instance, Patrick yeah. Mahomes at the mm-hmm. Senate, Kansas City Chiefs. There, there's those guys are at a different level in their ability to compete and channel what they have. And that's to be able to just get excited and, and want to compete and win is one thing, but to be able to be so competitive and take that and channel it and fine tune it is a rare quality. And that's what he has. That's what he has. He has, he's right. going to be around for a long time and he's going to be very, very good. And I believe he will be a, an elite quarterback. I, I really do. They need to help him, obviously. They need to give him some tools where he can get the ball out of there. But I watch him make plays that really most really good quarterbacks just can't make. He makes the same type of plays that Patrick Mahomes can make at times. You know, he's not Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, obviously, but he's in that kind of era, move around and make throws off balance who run into his left. He's real quick with the ball. What he sees and can digest is like Kurt did, you know, that, that type of thing. So yeah. it's just dependent on the structure of what they do with them offensively. What they can't do is give them a blank slate. That, that doesn't help anybody. That, that's just right. not going to be good. You, you've got to really go back and pin him down on things and get him to excel in, in, in certain things and, and grow from there, if that makes sense. And that's and, and that looks like did. what he's had, a blank slate the last couple of years. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, any good quarterback, you're just – you know, you don't know what you're going to get then every Sunday. You just don't know. And it's you can't do yeah. that anymore. You just – maybe at one time that worked. I don't know. I've never been involved yeah. in that. That's one of those deals where coaches, you know, they just they know so much, and then they they stop there and they they count on the player. You got to give answers for everything that he can see on that field when you drop a play. You have to. If they could, if they could run seventeen coverages, Ron, then he's got to have seventeen answers for all those coverages. Where where the ball has to go yeah. under pressure? What do you want to do in this kind of pressure? For weak, what do you do? For strong, what do you do? You know, all those things have got to be answered for him so that he can he can play at a very high level and very at high speed. When he's indecisive and he has to create, then it really diminishes what he is. Now, there's going to be times when he's going to have to create. That, that's just the NFL. It's going to happen. But you have to really discipline your system for him and get guys operating at a high level around him, and then things will just explode and take off. But it's all there. I, I promise you, it's all there. I love his competitive edge. I love his energy, high-energy guy. A love for football that's highly talented. I, that's a can't-mess combination for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, he did win a lot of games in college, and I love the way he did win in college. So, you know, that that is still there. Let's see. Let's see when it when it emerges again. Uh, next question. This is from Tim in Dallas. What's the real story behind the Panthers dumping Cam Newton? And what did the Patriots see in him that no one else did? Well, I think Cam, you know, when that whole regime changed, you know, there's an association there with those guys. And even though he got into the Super Bowl, they just felt like at his age, and I do believe with the, the injury was the number one consideration. You know, that he's been injured. They didn't probably feel like they could keep him healthy. And they're just going to cut it and, and change and rebuild, basically, is what they're saying. 
and not re- rebuild around him. They just felt like, I think probably without knowing any of this, I just from outside observation that he had, he was really at his peak and on the backside of it. Now he's a descending player, so to speak with injury issues that are going to be hard to deal with. You don't know where they're going to have him from week to week, et cetera, you know, which he went through the last few years. So Really yeah. good player on a really good team like New England. He, he'll be a different player. But I think if you're going to start over, that's not fair to him either. So uh, I think that's why they let him go. They had to change everything, and probably rightfully so. Next question comes from Carla in Los Angeles. Oh, boy, this is interesting. When you hear a college player who turns pro talks about how much faster the speed of the game is in the pros – what exactly does this mean? Okay, it's like uh, mm. this, is, Carla. This is the best analogy I can give you. All right, so you're driving in your neighborhood, and uh, you're on Pico, and you decide to get on the freeway, and it's not rush hour, and they're all going about seventy-five or eighty miles an hour, and you got to put your your foot to the pedal, or you're going to get run over, or you know, run into or whatever, you know, and that's the way it is. You know, everybody's, everybody's fast. The offensive linemen are fast in the NFL. Not only are they big, but they can run, (laughs) you know, as you know, run, right. (laughs) You know that. So, um, you know, the speed of the game, the energy and the collisions are so different. Tony La Russa uh, and I were friends uh, when I was at St. Louis, I got to know him a little bit and he'd asked me down to, you know, the, their spring camp and all that. And, Likewise, I say, hey, listen, we've got a um, our third game this year in preseason is Tampa, and he knows John Gruden; they're good friends. So I say, why don't you come on and over and stand on the sideline and and see what the game's about? In preseason, you can do that. Of course, during the season, they won't allow it. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So he said, okay. And our our base our their baseball players and our football players all it was a great city, you know, and hockey in St. Louis too. They they all intermingled. They all knew each other, right? So. There's about a half a dozen baseball players, and, and Tony's standing on the sideline. And as you know, Ron, the third preseason game is like a regular season game the first half anyway. You're going to play it straight up, and you're going you're gonna to really yeah, it's you know, real get football, you guys tuned yeah. up. Yeah, it's real football. You're trying to get ready mm-hmm. for the season. It's the one half of the preseason that your starters are going to play and get ready for it. So, and I, you know, we, we end up winning the game and all that, but the first half was pretty violent, and Marshall comes right around the end with a pitch, and he he just gets way late over on the sideline. I look over, and I, I see Tony there. And, you know, the second half, I'm, I'm looking for Tony, and he's not there. So I call him the next day. <laughs> this is a Monday night game. So on Tuesday, I call him and say, Tony, how would you like the game? I, I didn't see you there in the second half. He's oh, my God. He said, oh. He said, I had no idea. He said, it scared the hell out of me. I had to go sit up in the box up there. I, I couldn't I, – it scared me being on the sideline. The speed and the collisions were unbelievable. And you don't realize that, as you know, being on the sideline is just something you become accustomed to. But people that don't know the game, it's like, here's another analogy for you. If you if you, you ever been to a racetrack, and, and we used to go to those country fair when I was in, in college, those those county races, you know, the Appaloosas and stuff, had a buddy had a horse, and we'd watch him run. And it was the standing right there on the fence line there is amazing, the sound and the energy. Right, so they they run by and it's pretty impressive. Then they ran the thoroughbreds, oh buddy, and those big animals they come running down. The sound is like times ten, and the power and the energy is huge, and it's just it just takes your breath away. And it's kind of being on the sideline, the speed and the 
physicality of the game is so different than what you've seen in, in college or anything else. And it, it will, it will surprise you. Yeah. The, the speed of the game is so much different than what people think. And yeah, I'll, I'll throw this one out there and you, you'll know this young man, you spent some time with him, Joey Harrington. So his rookie year in, in the NFL, uh, we're doing, we're doing a bunch of Detroit games and I, I sat him down one day in a production meeting and I said, Joey, I hear this over and over and over, but I don't know that anyone ever explains it and that we articulate it to the point where we explain it to the audience. You hear the same thing, the speed of the game, the speed of the game is much different. What exactly does that mean? Can you give me an example? And he says, okay, I threw a 15-yard comeback in college and it was caught safely by the receiver and he tiptoed out of bounds and we moved the chains. I tried to throw that same comeback on the same rhythm here in the pros. And not only did it get intercepted, it went for six the other way. So your, your, your friction point of mistakes is, is, is that small and the difference is that big. Exactly. And that's a great point, Ron. You know, and Joey's right about this. It's it, the speed difference is really, it, you know, as you know, being a DB and coming to the league, you saw it, you witnessed it with the receivers every week. You know, there were great ones every week. You saw speed, right? And linebackers, yeah. it's all magnified for everybody. But at the quarterback position, Ron, whoa, buddy, times 10. Because the time that you have in the pocket, you know, these guys in college, they sit back there in their shotgun and they can pat that ball, look left, look right, look yeah. down the middle, then boom, right. the ball's out of there. They can move around by a little time because it's no huddle and the defensive line's not rushing anymore because their tongues are dragging on the ground. So it's almost like seven on seven, you know, in the fourth quarter in college football. They just – the pass rush is so different and the game slows down. They can have uh-uh, you know – and in the NFL, that quarterback hits that back foot on the fifth step. It's got to be gone. You can take what we call a quick hitch and get to number two, maybe two hitches. After that, it, you're, it's over. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over. You know, and that's why I laugh all the time. I hear guys are oh, talking about the reprogression. You know, you go from here to here to here to here. You know, like there's three or more. Nah, you got to throw it to that guy. If he's, if you don't, then get it over here to this guy. After that. After the, your second guy, you are on the run for your life against a good team. Getting to the third guy in the read progression means that you skipped number two and just ran right to him. <laughs> you know, you didn't go one, yeah. two, three. It doesn't work like that. That's, it just cracks me up. Yeah. Steve, I was talking to Steve Young one day, and he said, it's 1,001, 1,002. If, it's, if the ball isn't out of my hand or on the way out by then, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's time to get out of the pocket. It, whatever we had planned, whatever we had called, is it didn't work. Here, here's a really good analogy, and then we'll move on from this, Mike. It, so you take three fields and you take three levels of play: high school, college, pro. Now, which field would you say? And you'll know the answer to this. So, but which field would you say would be the most torn up? after the game, the high school field, the college field, or the professional field. Now, a lot of people would say the professional field would be the most torn up. You know, they're pros, they're big, they're strong, they're fast, they're powerful. Nope. <laughs> the high school field is the most torn up field. And, uh, and of course, uh, we're going back to grass, old school grass for, for our, us old folks out there. 
grass field would be the most torn up. Why? Because the efficiency of movement is completely different from high school to college to pro. More false steps from high school players. College players, watching college guys, they false step about 50% of the time. Pros, your false steps are very little. They better be very little or you won't be around long. That's, that's the big difference there. And I think that equates to some of the speed difference you see also that we're talking about. Well, the other thing, Ron, the other part of that is in the NFL, you're not on the ground. High school, you know, <laughs> players are on the ground a lot, you know, and well, that we tears it up. We were talking about and that then, last night. Yeah. Stay and then, off and, the ground. And, in college, you know, they're on the ground. In the NFL, yeah. they're in a position I know of where the coaches aren't yelling at them, uh, stay off the ground, particularly on defense. If you're on the ground on defense, you've had your rear end handed to you, and that's not a good thing. So um, you always – and offensive linemen are never on the ground. But, you know, in college and in high school, you see them on the ground. But in the NFL, it's like it's like a dance almost. You, it, the game is played on your feet, period, end of story. And that's, that's the other part of the field story. Now, isn't that the – absolutely. But now, isn't that the fastest way to get yourself cut? Is to be on the ground a lot. Uh, how many guys did you coach that you thought were pretty good players and probably were pretty good players, but the guy couldn't stay on his feet? Yeah, drives it, coaches crazy. Yeah, particularly in camp. Now, if they don't improve with that, you watch them real hard, particularly off. But Mike, can they improve with that? Either either you're that guy who's always on the ground, or or you're not. Right? You can. Well, it, it, it's kind of by position, I think. You know, if a wide receiver's on the ground a lot and he's slipping, then he's he's not going to make it today, too. Oh, he's done. Yeah, yeah he he's done. He won't even make lunch no. after the first day. Right. But an offensive lineman who's on the ground, there's there's a chance because some of them, the aiming points, remember the speed of the game that we were talking about, their aiming points are different than in college. So if I'm on a, uh, if I'm a release up to this linebacker after chipping on the down lineman and the center's coming to help me and I'm a guard, and that center, I feel like the center come and hit me and take over that block, and I go up to that linebacker. That happens faster in the NFL than it does in college, right? In the same play, and that linebacker's position is different. So where you're where you're aiming to go cut him off, that linebacker's not there anymore. He's about two steps further over, you know. So initially, young offensive linemen, they're they're uh, they have to adjust to the speed inside there, and so they'll be on the ground. They'll end up diving on guys, you know, and. Uh, trying to cut guys because they can't get to them because it's so fast. And then if, once yeah. they adjust yeah. their aiming points and are more patient with things, then it, that's better. But I think I think in the offensive line, I, I think it takes some time, uh, some time as long as you know that he's got a good center of gravity, you know, some balance to him. And but on the perimeter, if you're on the ground a lot, you won't see day two. Yeah. I, I know the scouts look at that a lot. They they pull out that red pen whenever a guy is on the ground a little more than they think he should be. But uh, that's always good stuff, man. I love getting technical with you on that kind of stuff, Mike. Anyways, we will move on from the questions. And a big thank you to Jake from Cleveland Heights, Tim from Dallas, and, of course, Carla with an excellent question there, speed of the game from Los Angeles. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage. Every Thursday, I release a podcast called First Match. It's a wrestler's origin story podcast. And this week, we welcome the former president of WCW, Eric Bischoff. 
So who are you watching at that point? It's a while ago, right? You know, <laughs> That's a minute. Like, <laughs> I have no choice but to reveal how freaking old I am. <laughs> oh, you're such a d- <laughs> Find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. Something you should know. Speaking of the quarterback, since we're kind of on that topic a little bit here, let's uh, let's jump into some quarterbacks who, who I think have a pretty good chance to do something this year. You may have heard of these guys. Dak Prescott for the Cowboys, Tom Brady. Now with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's almost hard to say. And Aaron Rodgers with, of course, the Green Bay Packers. Boy, Mike, the more I look at it, I just like the fit for Dak Prescott. And I like the fit of the new head coach down there in Dallas. Well, and that's not that's not a slam against the, the other staff at all. Um, I think sometimes the change, um, just the whole change in approach, can be good, not that what was there was because I because it was good. I, I like what they're doing, but this is a hands-on head coach uh, with the quarterback position, and he knows what, exactly what he wants, and he's not going to negotiate that. So the young coordinator down there that that they kept, uh, he's got to work it out for him because instead of adjusting to him, he's going to have to adjust to this new head coach, Mike. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So that's right. And Mike knows what he wants and he's going to, he's going to be absolutely assertive in terms of getting it and what it should look like and how he wants this guy to play and, you know, all the little details of get coach. And I think, and that's not, I'm again, that's not a reflection on what was happened there before because I was there and I watched him in camp and they coached the details and they were really good. And obviously offense last year, where were the best offense in the league last year? So, Oh, their numbers were crazy. Yeah, they could do everything are... but score. So, you know, there's that whole mentality changes to some extent. Um, they may not be as productive yardage wise or whatever, but you know, the scoring thing may change. The whole the whole point is this is really a good quarterback with a chance of being an elite player. I've just been around him personally and watched him and. You know, the competitive edge to him, all that stuff that's so important. He has all those things. And I think at this point, when they start to get some three and outs and stop people, they'll they'll do one of those first half up by two, three touchdown deals and then grind at the second half deals. Yeah, you're talking about Kellen Moore there, the offensive coordinator yes. who Mike McCarthy retained. So uh and you know, Mike's an old old wily vet now. He's thirteen years in the league. Uh, as a head coach and a Super Bowl win. So he, you got to believe he knows what he's looking at. And, and you're right. Now, now the onus is going to be on the defense. Uh, Mike Nolan, uh, that's a, that's an NFL name from the past, right? Well, Mike's a very Father dear Father Dick friend. Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. I worked guy. for Mike at uh, San Francisco. 
we work together at the Redskins. I know what Mike mm-hmm. is. I, he is a uh, <laughs> he has a great teacher, and I know it sounds crazy because that's what coaching is. But I watch him during seven on seven. I used to coach with him. I grabbed the linebackers, and uh, he was a coordinator at the Redskins in. And just the details of, of how to shut things down and, and, and plug the dike, so to speak, when they find a hole in the defense. And, you know, his ability to adjust to his personnel, I think, is extraordinary. And I think that's one of the remarkable right. things about him. It makes him such a good coordinator. Yeah. And they've got an interesting defensive staff here. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking here. Defensive line coach guy, you know, Jim, Jim Tomsula. Jimmy Tomasula, yep. Yep, Jim Tomasula, man. Detroit, yeah. Exactly. I mean, this guy, you want to talk about a passion for the league. Duvall Love, good friend of mine and one of your your, your former players, he told me that Jim Tomasula at one point in his career was sleeping in his car, you know, as he was coming up through the ranks as a, as a young assistant coach and not solidified yet. But you talk about a love for the game, and that, that's, that's what you're talking about there. You know, defensive line coaches, for the most part, are really high-energy, assertive people. And no, I don't know if there's anybody more high-energy. <laughs> they than are. Jimmy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> they just, Kolar, how about yeah, that one? Just, Bill oh, Kolar, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Bill Kohler, who is probably my all-time favorite. You know, Bill Kohler, <laughs> I hired Bill as a defensive line coach. His – he, he was going to, his contract was up and he coached at Atlanta. And I'm looking across the field and we're playing Atlanta and when it's at the Rams. And I look across the field and this guy's out in the numbers and he's chasing these defensive linemen down the field. We just completed a 30 yard pass and he's yelling at him to chase the ball, chase the ball. <laughs> they were playing hard enough. I said, yeah, maybe that's the guy we need right here. You know, Gosh, so we hired yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Al Harris is their DB coach. That's uh that's a name. That Eagle Solid. Green Bay fans definitely remember. So. Yeah, and Al Harris, you know, that's the biggest band-aid they've got to have on that team is the, the secondary. They had some talent there, but just to play the corners were, was so bad at critical opportunities. Holding penalties on third and four and third and six, you get them off the field. They must have last year, and I don't know this, but just watching them, they must have led the league in – Penalties on critical third downs, giving the team a first down. You know, they just mm-hmm. constantly right. did that, and it just drove me right. nuts. And and then they, you know, that people had long drives on them, and it comes down to, as you know, safeties. You know, you get yeah. that ball's got to get stopped up on or near the line of scrimmage, and not an eight, ten, fifteen yard gain. And so that whole secondary has to be brought up to the standard of the rest of the team. Yep, he along with uh, Maurice Lindquist, they're going to handle the defensive back. So we'll be tuning in on that one. I, I think the biggest, and I don't want to say biggest, there, there's, you know, all the coaches are important, but a guy that I'm really interested to, to watch how his group performs because people always want to discount this phase of the game, Mike, but he, he has done some things as a special teams coordinator that I, I hadn't seen in quite a while. And that's John Fossil is a special teams coach down there now. And you talk about having all the guts in the world. The Rams, as you know, the last couple of years, they would pull a fake on you anywhere on the field and literally any game. And that included a championship game. So if he can do half of that for the Cowboys, that is really going to help this team out. 
You know, it's funny you said that because, Ron, it's so hard. It is so very, very hard for a special teams coach to stand out year in and year out unless you're real bad. <laughs> that stands out. But <laughs> yeah, it's right. Just, you, it's yeah. really difficult to be recognized. Everybody in the league knows this guy, knows John, and knows what a quality special teams guy is. And he's probably the premier teams guy in the league right now, I think. Yeah, oh, I, without question. I just couldn't believe the guts that he would have. And I, I, I'm going to give uh, Sean McVay some credit there, too, because a lot of coaches won't have the guts to let their coaches coach and be gutsy like that. But they would pull it off. They would pull a fake on you anywhere, at any time, and in any game. And you know something? If you practice it and you study it and you see it's there, then damn, let your guys be players. Isn't that what coaches always say? Hey, I want you to, you, to be the player you are. Well, what you said is is absolutely true in terms of the preparation and the details of it. You know, obviously, Sean had great, great respect for him and trusted, you know, his opinion on these things and watched it in practice and felt good about it. Otherwise, you know, he would never give it the thumbs up or the green light. And it's easy to do when you have somebody, you know, like Fossil who – prepare so well and does such a great job and has done his homework and can coach the details when that's presented to you as a head coach that's an easy decision oh yeah let's do it because you instead of herbie moskowitz over here hey i was thinking maybe this would work coach what do you think yeah let's onside kick well we tried have you practiced it this week well you know it'll it'll work you know (laughs) that whole deal so it's he absolutely can destroy uh special teams and tear it apart and find the hole or find the weakness and go after it which is unusual as a special teams coach. Right, right. And I, I think the Rams are going to miss him. I really do. You just don't oh, no let question. a guy like that uh, leave the building and then replace him. And, oh, yeah, here, I need you to run this fake on the goal line or, you know, in the red zone and do this and do that. So we'll we'll see how that goes. All right, so you've heard of this guy before. He's, he's had a pretty good career here in the NFL. He, he's won a couple games here and there. Tom Brady is down in Tampa Bay. and. So, okay, so he went to a park illegally, you know, in the offseason as we we're going through COVID-19, and he, he had a couple workouts that may or may not been uh, uh, approved by the league, so on and so forth, whatever. But, you know, when you've got that many rings, they give you a couple passes. Is this going to be as easy a transition as everyone is talking about? I mean, he's got some weapons at receiver. He really does. He's got a tight end. They, they've got a pretty darn good team as it would appear, you know, from the outside in. But now, what's the biggest pitfall, Mike, when a guy of this magnitude comes in and joins your team? Okay, so the number one thing here uh, for him, the receiver crew is really good with a tight end, like you said. But it's his ability to anticipate with his throws, and that's clearly what makes him elite. You know, it's like uh, we were talking about those qualities, Mahomes and – you know, the great ability to see things react to it and throw it to an open area and the receiver comes into it instead of waiting to see a guy get open, all that stuff. So the ball comes out way faster. And on on blitzes, they got to know the ball's going to be on them real quick and look and see. So they all have to be on the same page. And they, they have to know that they have to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And don't fool him. Don't fool the quarterback. So if they're disciplined in their routes, if they're – they're running fast, and they know that they're going to get the ball. The ball's anticipated. Yeah, and that's that's not an easy thing to do in a couple of weeks. You just don't do that in a few weeks. That takes some time. 
But those receivers have got to understand that they don't have a lot of flexibility. That ball comes out so fast. You need to be where you're supposed to be, buddy. And that's a little unusual because there are a lot of teams that don't really spend a lot of time with that. You know, it's kind of get a feel for it, you know. But, you know, Tom's used to things being very specific and very fast. And so I think that's incredibly important. The next thing, obviously, would be the protections because he is just a tick slower than he's been. He, and he's still going to get the ball out fast, but his movement isn't what it's been in the past. He's not going to be able to protect himself like he has. They need to protect the heck out of him. And I would have, I would imagine they'll do an awful lot of play action, which helps slow things down. If you're going to throw it in first and second down with an older quarterback, you want hard play action, which means you need a real good, solid running game. And I think once that thing gets established, it's not going to happen the first or second week. I think down there, for him to really get going, they'll have success. I think they'll have success. But if they're really going to take off, it'll be maybe after a third of the seasons. Then they they kind of get used to each other. And then you can really see things uh, take off, provided everybody stays healthy. Yeah, and he's got Gronk down there as well. I don't I don't know how big of a factor that that's going to be outside of a, a media thing, but it is what it is. And I. The guy well, I like. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'll tell you where it's a where it's a big deal is because you're right. He has definitely slowed down. He's not as good as he was, but but they both are on the same page. Oh yeah. And he knows when that ball's coming out, and he knows when he's supposed to turn around and get his head around to see it. And so that adjust, there's no adjustment for them. You know what yeah. I mean? And then the rest of the group will learn from that connection. So you can teach the offense through those two guys. Uh, in some respects, in terms of the timing, but I, I do think from that standpoint, it's pretty important. But go ahead. Yeah, no, that that you're you're absolutely right. That's a great point, and it, it, this definitely spices up the NFC South quite a bit. And don't forget, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians a pretty smart coach. I like the way Bruce runs his team, runs his game. You know, not a huge talker, but he can get his point across. It. What did he say uh, about Jameis Winston at the at the end there? And I think that last game of the season, they, they asked him a question uh, about whether or not his team could win a certain amount of games next year. And he said, "Well, hell, if we could win with this quarterback, we could win with anyone." <laughs> so that was a, <laughs> that was a little parting shot. <laughs> you take it any way you want to, Jameis Winston. This is this is the NFL, I guess, but. I've always liked the way Arians coaches is, is what I'm saying. And I, I think he's a good fit for Brady. Well, I think Bruce is exactly what we're talking about in terms of details. And he's a high yeah. energy guy. He doesn't, he's not a grinder. So he's, he's an upbeat, positive personality, which is really important. And he, he will absolutely make sure all the little things are done that are supposed to be done. And which is in, in just so important for Tom Brady, that all the details get coached. So he, the freelance stuff that just, you know, that whole thing about get a feel freelance around, throw the ball, that doesn't exist. The, the game is way too fast for that. And you got to make sure everything is where it needs to be. All right. And our last quarterback that we're going to talk about today, Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. And I'm going to try to just put that 49er game, that NF, that uh, playoff game, yeah, NFC Championship game out of my mind because uh, for Packer fans, I know that is not the Aaron Rodgers and, and not the, the typical Green Bay football that they want to see this coming season. But if you're a 49er fan, they want to see more of that type of football. Right. Where, where do you think uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are headed this year? Well, this is their last year together. 
I, I don't think there's any question about that. You know, he either he's outgrown the Packers or or they've decided to move and leave town and leave him there, however you want to look at it. So he's got something to prove. And a really great player like he is, he's such an elite player. When they have something to prove, they're very, very dangerous. Um, I think yeah. he's going to have just a phenomenal season, provided they allow him to do that. You know, they they help him with it. But he is he's developed into such a strong personality there, good or bad or indifferent. He's such a strong and opinionated guy about what should happen that it overshadows and kind of pushes that head coach down a little bit. And that, and he doesn't like that. Uh, he, he's, he doesn't want to deal with yeah. that. So that, that's, that's the friction. And I think uh, – it, you know, to some extent, I think that head coach feels like he's not allowed to be a head coach. And the head coach is really Aaron Rodgers. He didn't like that. So I, I just think that that personality is so big for him to deal with that they're probably going to change after this. And, and you know, whether that's good or bad, we'll see. But I do believe Aaron Rodgers will have one of those mind-blowing seasons, provided they let him, you know, and we'll see how it goes. That's what happened with he and Mike McCarthy, isn't it? I think so. You know, he's he, Aaron's a little bit different. I really like him. I think he's just a phenomenal player. Uh, but just observation and just talking to guys that know him real well off the field, he's such an elite athlete, such an elite player. He has so much great confidence in himself that when things aren't right, he wants to know, and he'll, he'll ask some really hard questions of these coaches. I respect that. I've always liked that. Marshall used to do that to me, <laughs> you know. And uh, Marshall Falk yeah, did, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to take you back at first. But I'll tell you what, you make sure you have answers for everything in your preparation. And he knows in his mind how things should be. And I think with Mike McCarthy, uh, maybe there, were, there was a difference there. And uh, he had a lot of frustration. There was a time there where they didn't have any receivers and they were still winning. When he well, first right. took, this team, took they, that they job want, over, they, they were complaining. Huh? Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. When he first uh, – when he first became the, the starter there, the first few years there, remember all the sacks he had? Oh, he's holding the ball. Yeah. This Nah, they were off on the offensive line. They fixed that. They got him some receivers. They win a Super Bowl, right? So yeah. it's just like yeah. what we're talking at Cleveland. You know, put Aaron Rodgers at Cleveland. They'll, what's the matter? We can't get a good quarterback here. You know, that's the same same thing. But surround him with good players. You know, you have a right. good system and, and know how to – put them in positions so they can win and, you know, good things will happen. And I think that's what happened with McCarthy is I just think Aaron's vision of what should be done and he has a right for that. He's just, he's established that. And what Mike wants are probably two different things and the separation was inevitable. You know, this kind of, you said something that kind of triggered my thinking on um, our, our, our caller, not our caller, but our, our listener had a question, and it was about the speed of the game. And that's one of the reasons that pro football is so deceptive. You talked about Tony LaRusso being down on the field and just couldn't believe the intensity and the speed of the hits and the movements. A lot of that is because guys at this level are so smooth. And smoothness doesn't always translate into speed and suddenness and explosion. It, it's just smoothness. It's like we, we used to always say as defensive backs, be careful with guys that can really run because speed is quiet. Speed isn't, you know, uh, pounding the pavement and huffing and puffing and trying to run by you. When guys run by you, it, it, it's like a whisper. 
they're, no question. They're gone. No and question. that is part of what gets people in trouble, I think, from a visual standpoint of watching the game. And if you're not careful from, you know, young quarterbacks coming into the game and young players in general, uh, when they when they get to the game and it's just so much faster and so much smoother than they're used to. And I think these three quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is, is a little like that. Well, Aaron, what he does better than anybody is in, when we're playing when that's at Chicago, we had some really big blowouts with him, you know, and defensively, we had always kept their numbers down because they knew how to play him. You know, they, uh, they could contain him and get to him. If you can't contain Aaron Rodgers and he can't get the ball off on time, it's over. He just has that innate ability to escape and be creative. And he has such a strong, accurate arm. He, he can hit you from anywhere on the field. So watching games, uh, you know, through the years, look at all the big, big games where he broke out and threw a ball up for grabs in the end zone. They win. You know, he just, yeah. yeah, he's won so many big games like that. He has that extra flair or the ability to improvise aside from it. And I think that also hurt him a little bit with these stats. Because he has so much confidence in his ability that I know I'm supposed to do this on this play, but I think I can get this guy. You know, so there may be a deviation from what they want on a play, and after a while, that gets frustrating for coaches. You know, so but yeah. he he is so difficult to contain, and Mahomes and obviously is at a different level as well with that ability. And and, and really, I think uh, Cleveland's the same way now. You know, if they just let him. You know, if they are really hard and disciplined and get the ball out quickly, and then after that, you if you have to improvise, yeah, fine. But, yeah. you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't go into a game thinking about improvising. You know, he, that happens at, when things get shut down. So yeah. but he's, he's, yeah. as, he's as good at that as anybody, I think, at, at this point. And I think, at, I think sometimes he may give up on some stuff easier than maybe what they want. He doesn't trust some receivers in that offense. It won't throw him the ball, and I, I could see that in games. And I don't know that, but just watching games, I look at something. I say, I wonder why the ball. Didn't, he didn't, he you're didn't right. The ball over no, there. you're right, Mike, because that's what it's looked like to me, and, and and that's what we're seeing. And yeah. so there, when that happens, there's a disconnect, and that'll hurt him this year if that continues. You know, the discipline of whatever their offense is. I don't care what it is, the discipline of it. He has to adhere to it, and then when that breaks down be a quarterback and improvise instead of having your own thought about what things should be. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll, we'll see where that goes. That's uh, going to be an interesting season for the Packers and be interesting for Matt LaFleur to see how he and Rogers mesh, especially after that championship game blowout. Cause uh, that one tends to sit with you for a while. And Mike, that is it. My friend, we, uh, we found a way to fill 40 minutes again. It's amazing how we do that every week. Well, but I got one question for yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Herbie Moskowitz? <laughs> <laughs> you had me rolling. Herbie Moskowitz. Yeah. Who is Herbie? I, I have Where no does idea. he live? Is he, is, He's an imaginary is he from name. He's in Cleveland? Yeah. <laughs> that's great, man. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that that's good. You know, we got a chance to uh, have our listeners – Ring us up for some questions, and uh, I think we gave him some pretty good answers. So that's that. Till next week, my friend. Sounds good, Ron. Thank you. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you've been hearing on Run It Again? 
Leave us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or the coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure and join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those emails and social media questions. And we'll take a look at two quarterbacks who are indeed the faces of the new NFL, Russell Wilson and the $500 million man, Patrick Mahomes. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz. A Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton. Producer Ted Woods. And technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.